Three, two, one. Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm here with my lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you girls doing? <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we be honest? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're surviving, but this is, yeah, it's, it hasn't been good. Yeah. So we just did our entire podcast recording and then Skype failed us. So did not um, record so we are now starting over and doing this all again that's how much we love you guys to get this information out speaker <laughs> <laughs> just uh, wants to go back to bed oh my god but we have so much important information to cover i mean i put out a book on historical hypocrisy and psychological warfare and we've got the HCQ stuff that went viral. We need to clarify. And um, gosh, the censorship, the Atlanta shooting, some big, big stuff that's gone on this past week um, that we really need to cover. So we couldn't just, you know, say, ah, screw it. We'll just blow it off and do one this, next week. This one might be a little bit shorter because of motivation. But <laughs> we're going to try to get it out for you. Let's start with your pictorial book, Corey. Troll into it. Okay. Once again. Um, <laughs> all right. So right now it's available in my bookshop. I'm hoping, well, my goal was to have this all formatted. We're talking 210 brilliant screenshots. This took me countless hours to put together. Um, and they are hyperlinked. So I have tweets. I have headlines from articles. Uh, this is all from the horse's mouths, okay? So there's no spinning this. Um, this is basically a, basically a historical scrapbook of over the last few weeks of massive psychological warfare, hypocrisy, what's really going on between the COVID situation into the protests and riots and autonomous zone and what we're seeing rolling out. And it is great for people who want to create memes, who want to wake people up. Um, hey, it's a great coffee table book. It's great just to keep for historical purposes. Um, it's 110 pages. So you can download it in PDF format with all hyperlinks intact in my bookshop. But like I said, I'm working on formatting it. I wanted to have this out by the time we got our podcast out, but it might not get out at this point until later in the day, Friday. So just go to coreysdigs.com and um, you'll you'll see it on there under my reports um, definitely by Friday night. So um, there's so several. So what what do you got in there, Corey? Explain to us everything you got in there. So I have a lot of different things in there. Um, some examples showing you know there's a lot of mayors and governors that have been flipping and flopping and showing two sides of everything, massive hypocrisy, such as the big one, First Amendment rights. We're, we were not allowed to protest over lockdowns and stay-at-home orders. Uh, that was a no-no. You don't dare open your business or dare do anything, and you're not even allowed to leave your home unless you go to the grocery store. And people were being fined, arrested, removed from, from a lake out in the middle of a boat, you know, out in the middle of a lake in a boat. Um, from parks because they were trying to play with their children, uh, all you know, opening salons, all kinds of crazy stuff, and yet they're all encouraging people to go flood the streets, elbow to elbow, you know, mashed in like sardines in these protests. It's crazy, and I mean that's yeah, just the, one the hypocrisy level is at an all-time high. Oh, it is. It's insane. And so I have the visuals. I've got the words in there without, believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, I have a paragraph at the beginning and I have a couple of paragraphs at the very end. The rest of it is all uh, basically screenshots showing a timeline, showing true events and showing in their own words um, what's going on, contradicting themselves, you know, such as Time Magazine doing an article on um, and tweeting out that physicians, they have a photo of physicians in the protests and they're all rallying in the protests. The physicians are getting out there and they've signed over 1,200 health professionals have signed a uh, letter stating that they feel how important this is to get out there and that you should not fear the spread of COVID. 
okay. But then they'll come out and say, absolutely, it is irresponsible for Trump to have a rally. Health professionals are very concerned about this. <laughs> and now, of course, Oklahoma is seeing a spike. In the meantime, he's got a million people registered to go to this rally. Hey, it's massive. Like, record-breaking numbers. It's insane. So, but like, like, like that, and, that, and that's what they don't want. That's what they're really trying to fight to suppress here is showing the momentum of the other side, showing the silent majority. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the biggest ones, though, of all, the most important and significant ones that people need to pay attention to, and African-Americans in particular need to pay attention to, is the hypocrisy from, you know, and the pandering from the Democrats, mainstream news and celebrities having to do with their concern for uh, for black Americans that are seeing um, a higher level of uh, getting COVID. And so they used this, you know, we, we've been witnessing this for the last few months now where they're using that to for their political agenda to create this whole racial thing and they're saying this is a racial injustice to african americans and this is why we need to adjust our healthcare industry and this and that and they're making it about race so the population the black americans make up 13 percent of the population and according to the cdc they're saying 23 percent of reported covid deaths are african american that's as of may 20th so on one hand, all we've been hearing out of them is how awful this is, how it's impacting the minorities and how we should be concerned. And there's just racial injustice and we need to fix this. And then in the next breath, they're saying, we, we are encouraging all of you to get out to these protests because black lives matter. They matter so much. We are sending you to the streets and herds to protest and pack yourselves in together, whether you wear a mask or not, and put yourself at risk of getting this virus. So you can't have it both ways. Either you care and you're concerned for their health, or you don't. So either the data is incorrect, it's been escalated intentionally, so they can carry out their racial political agenda, in which case, either way they're using them, or, they're okay with putting them at risk of getting this virus and potentially dying, even though the death rate of COVID is a half of 1%. That's it. So not the 3.4, not the 1 to 2 million people are going to die. I mean, if we removed New York from the equation and we removed the comorbidities of people that were already on their deathbed, it it would be so minimal. It would be like point zero 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 zero. You know, it would be insane. And so it's so funny seeing the sheep at the moment. Like now they're all concerned about COVID again. They weren't when they were riding. Right. 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 So that's just it. So so put this in perspective. So we care about the minority. We do not want. Uh, we need to fix this healthcare system. This is racial injustice. We feel terrible because it's affecting black lives so much, this virus. And then they send them out to put them at risk, allegedly. And now they're seeing this sudden spike, which I called that on day one of these protests and riots, that they're going to use this to create a you know second wave, despite that we're in the middle of summer. And they're going to spike all the major cities that are mostly in blue states and of course they're going to focus on oklahoma so now so now there's a spike but the funny thing is they won't say if there really is a spike that any of it came because of protests they're all they're all saying it's because we're reopening we're reopening and then we're right. our non-essential businesses are finally starting to reopen and now we're seeing this sudden spike and yet the death rate remains a half percent Right. And most of those have comorbidities. It's funny so. how the narrative shifts when it uh, when it suits their agenda. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. It's so crazy oh. to see watching it, though. Yeah. Like, if you're paying attention to it and just how they flip-flop on every little thing, it's just it's maddening. And I, I know we're all in a, in a situation at the moment where it, it 
we all we all go through these dark sort of moments like we were saying like you know our podcast stuffing up and that us, i have to do it again it just seems like it's one of those times <laughs> where we're just ready we're we're getting hammered especially seeing all this censorship and it tearing down of national statues and ripping apart history and it's oh, yeah. really hard to stay positive. And, and some of our podcasts aren't necessarily going to be positive ones because right now I feel like I've just gotten a punch to the gut, you know. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts to see my country like this. Um, you know, and we feel it all on a personal level, but at least we're here together and we can lean on each other through these times. And we will get through it. Um, it's just tough right now and it's just all negative news cycle, all of it. Uh, and you just see the agenda playing out, and it's so freaking frustrating. But I do like this book that you've put together, Corey. I think it will be a good red pill for some for some new eyes uh, to show the hypocrisies. And I also do think it, it will be a good historical piece because we could look back on this year and uh, <laughs> hopefully laugh uh, at some point and say, you know, wow, that was a crazy year. I can't believe we survived all that. Right. Right? Yeah, it has. It's been crazy. I was just, like I was saying to you guys this morning, you know, there's some mornings I wake up and I just, I just, I'm exhausted. And it's like, I, you know, I spend my time reviewing the news and digging into this and researching it and analyzing it, processing it, and then compiling it and composing it to get it out there and then talking about it. And then podcast doesn't record and talking about it again and so it's like you're constantly <laughs> in this this like dark space and, i'm praying and, to god it records this time you have oh no god, idea i'm so. sitting here praying if not if not we're done <laughs> no way i'm doing this the third time i gotta finish formatting this book to my website so that i can get it get it live on there for more people to see um, and then it'll be easy, too, for people to snag images off of it for, for memes and whatnot, because I have doozies. I mean, I cover it all in this. Um, but, yeah, man, it's hard. It's hard. I There's times, you know, I go through these ups and down waves where I'm just exhausted, and I just, it's like, I need some humor. I need a good comedy. I need to, like, go have some fun and get away from this, because it's, it's really intense right now. It's amping up so fast, and for me... I feel like a lot of people are getting lost in all the smaller distractions that we can't control and um, are consuming our energy and our time and keeping us in a really dark space instead of stepping back, kind of looking at the overall strategy of their game, looking at it from a global perspective, what's going on in other countries, seeing similar playbooks. Okay, how is this eventually going to affect the financial industry, the you know um, energy sector, the... Um, Gosh, housing and healthcare and food, like what's their game? Where are they heading? You know, keep your eye on that ball and keep your eye on your local community, your state level, the city councilmen, the mayors. The mayors are playing a huge role in all this scandal right now, like more than I think we've probably seen in our lifetime as far as mayors rallying to Criminals? continue this <laughs> criminal criminality and propaganda and i mean what's going on in the autonomous zone and i cover a lot of that and in this book too the chicago mayor seattle mayor they're all helping to destabilize no this country no way dude they had an executive order that was that was upheld by the courts that they could not open churches and so literally i want to say this was just one to two weeks prior to these protests going on where the mayor of LA shows up at the protest. He doesn't even have a mask on. I mean, he did in some photos, but in other photos, he's sitting there speaking and everyone is right up against him. He's, he's like kneeling down at one point, people are touching him. So he's all in there. And yet people can't go to a church and pray. Are you freaking kidding me? It's just, it's disgusting. And Whitmer, oh, I got a whole section on her out of Michigan. I mean, she's a governor, but you know, the, and Mayor Lightfoot literally uh, says you can't, uh, there were people that did not have permits that were, um, you know, trying to use their first amendment rights to protest against 
stay-at-home orders and that's just uh, not, you know, we had to break that up due to health concerns. And then a week later, a week later, she's literally telling people that she, in Daily, I think it was in Daily Plaza, there was a um, big protest going on for the, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter. And she's saying how great it is that they're using their First Amendment rights for this. So, I mean... This book is going to show the political agenda, and um, and that's what people need to stay focused on is the overall bigger strategy that that is going on to try and push for socialism, communism, one world governance, new world order, all this crap where they want to ultimately control all the industries. Um, and and you know, I'm curious where you guys are at. Um, I have had a lot of friends that live near me tell me this. Now, I haven't personally encountered this where I go to certain stores or food places, but a lot of people are telling me that they're no longer accepting cash, you know, because of the, under the guise of the virus, which is probably seeding our minds and conditioning us for digital currency, I'm sure. But are you experiencing that? No, I haven't seen any any of that, but I wouldn't be surprised. And yeah, the overall bigger agenda is what everybody needs to pay attention to. But it's interesting how uh, much the local governments and cities and states have played a part in that bigger agenda. Um, people do need to be aware of what's going on in their local uh, states and cities uh, because it's these are the ones that are carrying out that agenda. You know, we saw it with COVID. Now we're seeing it with these riots. Um, yeah. And and so, yeah, it, it's it goes all the way from federal all the way down the deep state. You know, it's really infiltrated every aspect. And it does seem like they're working all in coordination in order to destabilize uh, the country, in order to erode national pride, um, persuade a segment of the population, uh, and galvanize them to vote a certain way. Um, and really, ultimately, like you were saying, this, this agenda to le make the country go in a socialist, communist direction, but also ultimately to this whole new world order sort of uh mentality so uh but it just seems like it's been been kicked into overdrive right while trying to you know affect the elections of course they want yep. trump out obviously i mean that's you know i think everyone pretty much knows that left and right and middle <laughs> so oh but every, you know, every every bad person on every side is just showing their hands now and they're just they're they're going full ball with this agenda because they're at a point if he gets elected again, which I believe he will, right? That gives them another four years of not having one of their play, players in the highest position of power, right? It gives right. them another four years of all their corruption getting dredged up to the surface, right? They can't they can't have it, so they've just they've gone full ball on this agenda now. They said stuff it. It's earlier than we planned to do it. Right. But we have to at the moment. Right. And then, you know, just stepping back a minute to when we were talking about the monuments, you know, all the mon the statues and monuments that they're trying to take down. And and like the so the Birmingham, uh, Alabama mayor had taken down one because Antifa was trying to destroy it and take it down. And he said, no, 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 let me take care of it for you. So in the middle of the night gets out equipment and literally removes the damn thing. Now we have a Boston mayor that, of course, Pelosi is pushing to remove all Confederate statues. And then we have the uh, Boston mayor in favor of removing the city's Abraham Lincoln statue. Abraham Lincoln! So so they're, they're fighting to remove this, right? And Black Lives Matter and who else, you know? And, and one of the women states that the statue basically shows, so it's it's Lincoln, and I guess his arm is reaching out, and there's uh, a, a previous slave that he has now freed, and the shackles are broken, but he's still, like, on his knees. And so she says, by him still being on his knees, it represents submissiveness and that he's still being controlled. Therefore, it's um, the slave isn't really free. And I just find the irony in that 
because I've been saying since the beginning of this, when they first started requesting people to drop to their knees, that for one, it is, it is, they're doing the same position that the officer did to George Floyd. So they're also telling, it's, it's a submissive move, you know, and we're now in control and you, and you should have shame and guilt. And in one area, one place, they were actually washing people's feet. So yeah, that, that disgusted me. I just, you know, and I can, I can understand, like she said, she doesn't, she doesn't want her child or children walking by and seeing this. And it's like, I don't know, I I guess with it depicted, you know, as the slave and stuff, you probably wouldn't want a memory of that. But then it's like you were talking about edge about history that erasing history doesn't, it's important to keep history, you know? It's important to remember our past, whether it was good, bad, or ugly. We need to keep a record of it, otherwise we're doomed to repeat it. And I think that's the purpose of um, th- those who are really behind this movement to remove statues. Um, not necessarily the, the ground soldiers who are doing it, but this idea of erasing the past has um, always been done in these types of societies, you know, we always kind of refer to like, you know, 1984 and things of that nature. Um, Everyone should read that book, by the way. But, but, but the point is, is that they want us to, um, to repeat the past, this, this idea that a socialist or communist sort of country uh, would be successful, um, would be erased, and and would be just completely destroyed if we knew our past and we knew the past of other countries who've attempted it. Um, so, and then also, uh, if we knew our past as far as the Democrat Party's role in racism with regards to slavery, the KKK, the eugenics program, which how how it. Er- how Planned Parenthood uh, was originated from um, targeting um, the black population and black babies. If we knew these these parts of history, then um, we would have a totally different perception of the things that are playing out today. So it makes sense to me that those are really behind this movement would want to erase our history so that their ground soldiers and the people they're trying to convince would not realize that. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. why it's great seeing like black conservatives speak out. They know their history. They know exactly what they're talking about, and they're some of the bravest people ever. They're like some some of the best people I follow on Twitter, actually. Yeah, we, absolutely. we need those. We need those black conservative voices. They do get hit from all sides. They get so much um, heat from from people um, as though they're they're traitors to their race as though their race is is all that identifies them and that they have to think a certain way because of their race um, they they do get a lot of heat for that but we need their voices they're so important and I really appreciate uh, people like Candace Owens and uh, there are so many other good ones but that's just the one that comes to mind right now um, coming out and speaking out about it Right, and they're they're not just erasing the bad things though; they're erasing the good things too. Like Gone with the Wind, you know the what what was her name? The actress Harriet um, Harriet McDaniel. Yeah, oh, Hattie, she, Hattie, Hattie McDaniel. Sorry, <laughs> she had uh, she was like, wasn't she like the first African American that won an award for for yep, that she role? Was, she was the first one that won an Academy Award. Yeah, and so, but they're removing it because they think that the overall movie, you know, depicts racism. It's it's insanity. Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's. We have two schools in California named yeah. Washington and Jefferson that they're wanting to change the names of now. It, it's it's ludicrous. It's 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 this progressiveness ideology, and it's it's like I was telling you before that it it's not. It gets to a point where it stops being progressive and it starts regressing. And that's what the stage that we're at now. It's regressing. It's taking all these things away that doesn't affect, like that offends you and all that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's really moving backwards. And we're seeing that. There's like what until it, and it's gonna get to a point where it becomes tyrannical, where you're gonna get arrested for wearing the wrong shirt. 
Yeah, and it's happening in multiple countries because they're carrying the, out the same playbook. That's so which is perfect. why it's important to to pay attention to the kind of global scope, you know, the broader view of, of what's transpiring of of all of this. And um God, and most importantly, your your family in making decisions, you know, so you can make the right decisions for yourself and your family and moving forward through all of this. Because look, the reality is some stuff is gonna forever change. And I refuse to call it their new normal. But these people, you know, like they just had their win, uh, I think it was in the Supreme Court or something, the LGBTQ about discrimination in the workplace, which we already had discrimination rules in place, but, you know, we have to make it about sexuality and put a spotlight on it. And <clears throat> something that people probably don't know is there's 27 transgenders that are as elect, you know, and in a, in a position, they're elected officials. And that's great. If these are good people that care for the people of this country and this country and are doing the right things. But, you know, I've followed bits of it here and there, and they're not shy about saying that they're in there because they want to have that legislative power to change laws pertaining to LGBTQ. Well, I know the agenda behind that and how they have exploited transgenders. It's terrible what they have done to these people. Just leave them the hell alone for God's sakes. So they're, you know, they, they, they do the same thing to all races and all sexualities. They just, they take and they exploit and they use you for their political agendas and to push legislation through. And it's, it's disgusting. Well, you could say the same thing for Black Lives Matter. I think that there is a large segment of the black population that does not identify with Black Lives Matter, but you're technically, in their view, a racist unless you do. Um, right. And um, it's not it doesn't have anything to do with supporting black people and any kind of struggle or, you know, any kind of le legitimate concern that they may have. Um, it has everything to do with their ideology and who they align themselves with. Um, that's not consistent with a large segment of the black population's um, ideology. Which has Islamist roots involved. So <laughs> there's... Uh, that's, that's why they hate those black people, because they break the reality of what they're trying to push. Right. They break, they break through the propaganda. And we're seeing the propaganda everywhere on, in, in media at the moment. I mean, when we, we know they're trying to push this race war. They're trying to push this division, uh, just like the Atlanta shooting the other day with that police officer. Absolutely it, horrific what they are doing to police officers right now. Well, it, it, this is Marxist doctrine. Defund, abolish the police and replace them mm -hmm. with their own people. It's all it's all step by step. If you're watching it, you, you're watching it playing out in real time. But unfortunately, there's so many people that are just so unaware of exactly right. what's going on. They're still caught up in this illusion. And with this Atlanta police officer, uh, Rashid Brooks, who was killed the other day. Now, this 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 guy was a criminal. He's got a criminal history. He he's he's been put in prison for abuse, for child abuse, child neglect. Right, um, he failed a sobriety test. Got pulled over by two officers. Um, he started fighting them. He punched one in the face. He stole their taser. He turned around and shot it at the officer, and he got shot. I mean, any common sense person would be like, "Well, of course you're going to get shot. You know, you, you you don't get away with those things, right?" But of course, the media is spinning it, and we have this DA, Paul Haywood that has come out and charged him with felony murder, which is a strictly political, it's a strictly political move, Absolutely. Uh, which infuriated half of the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta police force, as mm -hmm. it should. Um, the other day we had a few zones go quiet in Atlanta. They're saying some had resigned. Um, some walked off the job. I think there was like three zones that went dead for a few hours there. A lot of them calling in sick. Yeah, it was it was absolute mayhem. But as I said, be careful what you wish for, right? Yep. And the ones that get hurt out of this are the innocent citizens that are not trying to push this agenda, and and you know then they're, they're not going to have access to police resources. 
Right. And it's <clears throat> terrible. But like, we're back, back to this DA. Um, he's he's he's, he's yeah. Well, he's 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 dirty as hell. I mean, he's he's under investigation from the IRS for funneling $140,000 through a non-profit organization to supplement his wage, right? It's, it's, and he's been doing that for like four years, apparently. He, he's an incumbent Democrat that failed to win his primary um, um, outright, and he's, and he's in the middle of a runoff at the moment. So it's clearly all these decisions that he's making is clearly for political gain. And you can see that because his position completely switched from two weeks ago when he announced and confirmed that the use of a taser is considered a deadly weapon. And that stance completely shifted as of Wednesday when he announced these charges of murder against the police officer. Unbelievable. This, You know, you've got the evil... Uh, Deep state, gosh, there's so many factions that <laughs> you can't even roll it all up into one sentence. But you've got them coming at them for defunding and dismantling, which we're seeing, you know, Minneapolis. Uh, that whole thing is such a shit show. I have so much of this in my book, too. But the dismantling of police forces, ridiculous. Let's send, some, uh, what is it, a social worker to a home where domestic violence is happening. Let's see how well that goes. It's so idiotic. I know. If, it's insane. And, if and you were really wanna... concerned, if you're really concerned about black lives, then you would never consider defunding the police. There are so many, many, many cases of police preventing the deaths of black lives. If you even want to just look at New York City, uh, how they reduced the um, homicide rate of black on black by, I think it was like 80-something percent, um, or I think they reduced the homicide rate in general, many of whom were um, black on black homicides um, over, you know, since since the 80s. And if, if by reducing the police force, you're... you're in most certainly going to increase the the homicides. Um, the, it's entirely counterproductive what yeah, they're trying they to do. They can't put out that narrative because it's against what they're trying to push. They can't the put other, out the, you know, the good things that cops do. And the other thing, like what we saw with Atlanta, is that a lot of these police officers aren't going to be coming back to the force. They see that they have no one has their back. And what you're going to have is you're going to have a reduced police force. You're going to have new police coming in that aren't aren't as well trained and don't have as much experience. So you're getting exactly the opposite of what you are pushing for. And it's going to result in more more people's lives being put in danger. Right. And what we have is, in addition to them focusing on defunding and dismantling, then you've got their little groups on the ground that are harassing them, throwing things at them, burning their cars, um, you know, calling them everything in the book, treating them like dirt to try and push them out, to get them to quit, to, you know, to get them to walk away. And what they want is ultimate mayhem and chaos in the streets so they can come in to the rescue and control everything from your housing to your food to your, you know, technology to your finances, all of it. That's the plan. There's only, like, a few ways I can see this going. Like, either they defund the police, uh, abolish the police, police officers walk, right, and they get the mayhem that they're you know, that they're asking for, or they're going to create segregation. And what I mean by segregation within the police force is white cops will refuse to monitor black areas, and only black cops will be able to go to black areas, right? That, that mm -hmm. something like that could possibly happen, you know? Like, yeah. that's, and, and you're not going to have enough staff to even enforce that. But that wouldn't surprise me. Like, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if a white cop goes, you know what? I'm not going to a black neighborhood. Not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's really, it's chaos. So then Trump just passed this executive order, and I'm just going to read a couple parts of this. I'll put the link under the video. Um, so it's a policing order. So the order will establish independent credentialing for police departments and activities including the use of force and de-escalation training as well as early warning systems that help to identify officers who may require intervention and best practices regarding community engagement. Only those agencies that apply for the credentials will be eligible for discretionary federal grants. 
As part of the credentials, departments will have to ban their officers from using chokehold, except in those situations where the use of deadly force is allowed by law. The Attorney General will be responsible for setting standards for which entities could issue such credentials. It establishes a national database concerning instances of excessive use of force related to law enforcement matters, accounting for applicable privacy and due process rights. The database should track which officers were fired, decertified, or convicted for on-duty conduct or had a civil judgment entered against them for improper use of force. It should also include those who resigned or retired while under active investigation related to the use of force. Um, the Attorney General should take appropriate steps to ensure that the information in the database consists only of instances in which law enforcement officers were afforded fair process. And <clears throat> let's see, uh, aggregated and anonymized data from the database will be periodically released to the public. Uh, the order further directs the Secretary of Health and Human Services to survey community support models addressing mental health, homelessness, and addiction and produce a report on the survey within 90 days. Uh, federal resources shall, shall then be prioritized to support widespread adoption of successful models. So there's a little bit more on it. I'll put the link below, but this is where we're at right now with this whole policing situation. And um, I can't help but think, you know, remember when we had the troves of, of immigrants coming in and all that was going on a few years back and the whole battle over the border wall. And then <clears throat> some of them kept calling, some on the left kept calling for uh, the UN to come in and keep the peace and handle the situation. And every now and then we'll get that with different scenarios. We want the UN to come in. So I sure as hell hope that's not where this this is leading. Because of course they do. That is their end game, the right? That's their goal. Yep. 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 I can I, see them I, trying to trying to go towards that. I, I God, I I hope it'll never happen. Um, I I don't think that Trump would allow that to ever happen. Um, but yeah, I could see them them pushing full steam ahead for something like that. Can we just you know just break? all connections to the UN. Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, it's just one giant slush fund shit show anyways, so yep. that would so, that would be good. So let's move on to this Google censorship. That's that's getting bad as well. It is, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna get worse as we get closer to the election, of course. But Google was in the news this week uh, for censoring the Federalist and the uh, and Zero Hedge and threats to demonetize. So last month, um, President Trump had signed the, this executive order giving the government uh, more authority to crack down on social media tech giants that have previously and always been um, protected under Section 230. Um, this was after Trump had tweeted something about the, um, you know, the mail-in ballots and, you know, potential for fraud, and Twitter had put some sort of uh, fact-checking link below, and that's what kind of spurred this. Um, but they have been for a long time censoring uh, conservatives, not just the president, Google, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, for years. In fact, um, you know, according to Dr. Epstein, you know, um, back in 2016, uh, Google, um, you know, was uh, affecting the election to the point of shifting votes by the tune of, you know, 2.6 million uh, for Hillary just for uh, manipulating their searches. And, you know, we know where they're, where they're going with this in, in 2020. Uh, it's 10 times harder this time around because uh, they have everything to lose. And, you know, uh, according to Dr. Epstein, it could go up to as much as 15 million votes shifted um, away from Trump uh, this time around if we don't get a hold of this. Um, now, with regards to actions that are being taken, um, well, first of all, um, so Google this week um, had threatened to censor and demonetize Federalist and Zero Hedge uh, according to racist comments that were put in, um, uh, you know, the bottom portion of their, their articles uh, by the readers. And Which is absurd. Like, they have any control over that. 
Right, exactly. So, but whatever the comment was, it's staggering because, you know, Google likes to enjoy their Section 230 protections um, while limiting those protections for people like Federalist right. and Zero Hedge. Uh, so the hypocrisy is, is right in your face there. You can't have it both ways, Google. Uh, but the problem is that Google, Google controls about 70% of all online advertising. And with that, they have a lot of power to control the media uh, and what they do and do not say uh, with, under threat of being demonetized and censored. So, um, you know, according to... Um, to that, um, Ted Cruz has has requested or or demanded that Google hand over um, you know some some correspondence if they had any correspondence with NBC because apparently it seems that Google and NBC were the ones conspiring to do the censorship of Zero Hedge and the Federalist. So we'll see what develops of that. But Senator Hawley had produced a bill this week that will allow people to sue big tech companies for censorship if that passes. Whew. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's some of the worst. I mean, like us us being creators and us being in the field and in and being in the journalistic um, side of things as well, um, getting you your monetization cut off is it's just like one of the most underhanded bullshit things you could do to any any independent sort of uh, journalists or creators such bullshit right right so some more bullshit on the HKCQ um, information that went viral Definitely need to cover this. This is one of the most important things. This this particular clip of Azar needs to go viral because what happened is, so in short, the FDA um, removed the restrictions on HCQ. However, it was spun. So when I first saw this headline, I actually got excited because it was, you know, emergency use, revoked uh by the fda for hcq and i immediately felt okay this is great because they were i read that original document when it came out by the fda and it was very restrictive guidelines on how hcq could be prescribed in the hospitals and da 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 da, da. so then i read the article and this was by just the news which is john solomon who's who's he's solid i mean he's a great journalist, um, does fantastic work, trustworthy. So I read the article and he's quoting the chief scientist of the FDA, Denise Hinton. Now, I don't know anything about her. I've not dug into her, but she has been around since 2002. And the choice of words she chose to use, <laughs> in my opinion, was likely intentional so the media could take this and run with it. And instead of reading the actual FDA guidelines, the document that was put out um, to get more clarity and spell that out for people, they just went with her words. So this went totally viral. And she was suggesting that, you know, she made it sound like the data showed that that hydroxy, HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, was um, not effective and so therefore they're removing this restriction and they do see it as a potential danger for those with heart disease. And it just sounded awful. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense at all. I mean, they have millions in the national stockpile right now of pills, of doses of this. We already know, we've seen the reports. We saw the retractions from the Lancet and there was another source that had to retract their, their report which was the huge thing that went viral and everyone used to make the claim that it doesn't work. And it was a bad, um, it was a bad uh, report to begin with. So they had to retract that, which of course now the WHO is going to run their own little trial and we could already determine the results they're going to show because they lost their cover. Okay, so back to this. So they made it sound like this is a horrible thing when in fact... It removed the restrictions to allow for broader use. So 
I want to roll this clip. It's just a two and a half minute clip because um, Secretary Azar explains that. So let's roll that. Can you uh, react to the FDA's decision today to withdraw uh, its recommendation for hydrochloroquine and another malaria drug, uh, saying it's no longer considered reasonable as a useful treatment for COVID? I don't know. I'd like to ask Alex maybe to discuss that. Sure. Uh, so just to clarify your, your statement there, I don't think was quite accurate in what the FDA's action was. The the FDA, at the request of, the, of BARDA, which is an agency within HHS, withdrew an emergency use authorization for product that we had acquired into the national stockpile by donation from Bayer of, of chloroquine. Uh, that was manufactured in Pakistan, and the EUA, the emergency use authorization, uh, was restricted for hospital use, inpatient hospital use of the product. Uh, with the FDA finding that they don't see enough data to support hospital-based use for those who are the most extreme cases of patients who've been hospitalized, uh, they, they took that restriction off, they took the emergency use authorization off. At this point, hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine are just like any other approved drug in the United States. They may be used in hospital, they may be used in outpatient, they may be used at home, all subject to a doctor's prescription. Uh, in fact, the FDA's removal of the emergency use authorization takes away what had been a significant misunderstanding by many that had made people think that somehow it could only be used in a hospital setting, and we've tried to make that clear throughout. It's a drug. It's approved in the United States, has been for decades. If a doctor wishes to prescribe it working with a patient, they may prescribe it for any purpose that they wish to do so, and this actually removes a potential barrier to that. So it actually uh, uncomplicates it, it does. in a way. And I think that's probably a question was a very inaccurately no, stated mean, question. I didn't mean to pose it inaccurately. I believe what it said specifically was that it's no longer reasonable to consider it an appropriate treatment. Uh, only in the hospital. Uh, it said the data in the hospital setting was not supportive. We continue to study in outpatient settings as well as preventive. Uh, that data is not yet in. Are you suggesting uh, that the data in the hospital setting is not something you would take seriously? No, that's why the FDA acted, was that they looked at the data and they removed the emergency use authorization for hospital setting use of the chloroquine that was the Bayer product. Okay, so you can clearly see hospitals can prescribe this, uh, doctors can prescribe this to people at home. It is what she, when she was talking about it, the data not being, you know, showing that it's not effective. She was referring strictly to the emergency use, which had to do with those in extreme conditions in the hospital. It's already been proven to work in earlier stages. But if you guys remember us being hammered over and over again by Fauci and Burke saying, mm, if you feel sick and you're not feeling well, just stay home and quarantine. Do not rush out to the emergency carrier hospital. We don't want to get the hospitals flooded. Just stay home because they didn't want people to get better. You're only allowed to show up if you're in severe condition because then they're going to throw you on a ventilator, in which case you have a very good chance of dying. So <clears throat> even though the death rate is only at a half a percent, which are primarily of people that have comorbidities, if we removed the numbers from New York and we removed the um, ones that they declared, you know, documented as the cause of death being COVID, that percentage would be so low, it wouldn't even be worth reporting. So <clears throat> um, I know you have the details on the, uh, the lawsuit, Edge. Yeah, I was which, looking which that I up. Did, I did put that tweet thread in my, that's in my book as well, but you have the details ironed out there, so. Yeah, so the Association for American Physicians and Surgeons recently sued the FDA to end its restrictions on hydroxychloroquine. And in this suit, it was interesting how they detailed how an Obama-appointed official had opposed making HCQ widely available. And in that same suit, they also talk about how the um, limiting the wide use and the, the wide availability of HCQ was affecting the election process. So the timing on this move by the FDA, FDA is interesting. I think that they are tied mm -hmm. together. It was a response yep. to that lawsuit. But um, the, so it was actually the AAPS that 
presented that clarification because when we all read that letter by Denise uh, from the FDA, it did seem as though they were um, disallowing HCQ to be used in general because it wasn't um, effective and it was dangerous. The the dangers or the risks outweighed the uh, the benefits. And that's it's, not the reality. Isn't um, it amazing how just the mere switch of words by saying revoking use as opposed to revoking revoking restrictions can flip the whole game? Bingo. Oh, yeah. The word game. So the AAPS came out and presented it in, in a more clear way and said this this lifting of the restrictions is actually a good thing and that now it will be able to be more widely distributed and, distributed and used. However, with this letter that was so viral by the FDA, I'm sure that was, that was intentionally designed to do that because I would imagine that most doctors would be seeing those, those you know, news broadcasts and those headlines and yeah. be discouraged from prescribing it. Right. And that's what pisses me off more than anything, which is why this, this clip of Azar breaking it down needs to go viral. And more importantly, however the doctors get their information from the top down, they need the documentation from the FDA that clearly shows that this can now, you know, this is, is open for complete distribution. So it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. <laughs> God. It is. We just got to hang on and put our seatbelts on because it's just, it's it's going to be a tough year, everyone. It's going to oh, be a it's, tough year. It's not going to stop. This is not going to ramp up to eight, all the way to the election and afterwards. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting, and it and it sucks to have to present so much negative news to you know our listeners. But the truth is, is that we have to just be honest about it and face it head on. And we want to just be here with you through it. You know, we can lean on each other through this time because uh, it, it, it times are interesting. They're tough. Um, lean we'll on get me. It. When you're not I'll be your friend. We can't carry on. Lean on. All right. Me. Nice, <laughs> nice song to close out the show. Are you guys ready to rap? You like that? You, so. you usually have to pay for that sort of entertainment. <laughs> I got two fifty. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening to us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and as always, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Stay strong.